0: Welcome to episode 902 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right here, team. Welcome along to episode 902 of I Am Talk with Coach John and
1: Bevan James Oz, how you go, mate? I'm good, Bevan. I've got two requests for you. Here we go. Go. First one, pray a little bit harder. And I, see I if you can I ask, really pray. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> just, What I'd like you to do okay. is we somehow just need to get the gradient of your hill decreased a little bit. Okay. Because today, I only just made it up the hill. Oh, really? It's a bit of a struggle. You've got to struggle getting out of my house then because it's harder getting out. I know. Well, I've got a, I've got a little, little time to refresh. I say, I'm
0: going to pray to the, the, the road gods.
1: So I just looked up... Um, I've got to go up this hill called Dyer's Pass in Christchurch. And yep. the first section is Dyer's Pass to so the Cup. There's a little intersection. And it's 1.44 kilometres on Strava. Uh, at an average gradient of 8.5. It does have a few flatter sections. So and a couple like, of little stepper bits. Yeah, a couple of steps So there's definitely some stuff over 10%. Yep. This morning, and I've got to go a little bit past that to get to Bevan's place. And morning, a little
0: bit past it, a bit of painting a button, isn't it? Mm. You get
1: to the Cup, you think you're there, and you've still got a little bit of a push to the top. Yeah, man. So I was right out this morning going... Am I really an athlete? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> I've got to ride up Alpe d'Huez and about a million other mountains next year. <laughs> this is killing me. Oh my God, I could only just get up. And luckily, that was after my uh, electronic gears had stopped working when I started my ride because my batteries had run flat oh, because no. I didn't listen to my reminders that I've done segments on the show Charge your batteries are the first of every month, um, and I didn't do it, and I uh, haven't done it for a bit, and they went First of the month? It's the end of the month. I know, but I, I probably haven't charged for a couple of months, because I've, <laughs> I've hardly been riding. Um, but luckily, with the SRAM ones, you have a battery on the front and on the back, and you can do a switchy route. Oh, okay. so my front one still had charge, so I just switched them around. And I was Halfway afraid. up the hill? Uh, no, this was rolling out of my place, so I was oh, like, okay. oh, do I turn around and get the road bike? I mean, the, the TT bike? No, it's on the trainer. I can't be bothered changing that. Do we get the mountain bike? No, it's going to just that be too much. That takes ever. A, a, a slog up the hill. Mountain bike's so, slow. Yeah, so I just did the switcher in here. So that's number one. Okay, so you I'm praying the for the road out. gods. Yeah, I'll, I'll get this one for you next week. And I want to start a worldwide campaign here we go. that you cannot put up Christmas decorations until the 1st of December. What do you mean? 1st of December. No, December's Show the week. celebration week. Show week. Ah. Uh, We've got,
0: because of course we're
1: going to Christmas tree up. That's what c- yeah. c-
0: I walked in the door and Oh No You should have gone Oh I love that <laughs> c- old, old
1: curmudgeon over here Yeah <laughs> Jeepers Have you got your, your decorations up at home? No But I dare say my wife If I hadn't been organising a race at the weekend With her assistance uh, I dare say It was well, actually tree worked out up. perfectly Because I, I know not, we need to start the show But Friday was a horrible day So we mm-hmm. thought Friday Let's
0: get the Christmas tree up. Mm. See It was wise thinking
1: There you go I'm talking probably brought to you by Our patrons
0: We've got Marion. Uh, the creaming the moose hearing. Christina, steaming up the room, Amit, <laughs> We've got some good names. <laughs> William, treasure chest, Lockwood.
1: Again, this week's show, we've got news, we've got Hot Topic, we've got a quiz. Website of the week, we've got an interview. We have. We're talking to Luke McKenzie. Some Great of you guys will uh, remember him from the racing days. He got second in Kona one year, won a bunch of other ones. He was a long time pro athlete and now runs a business called Win Republic, which is uh, sort of tri clothing. So, and he's also just a, a big student of the sport. So, always got some good opinions around, um, you know, the current landscape of what's happening with pro racing. Yeah, no, it's a good interview.
0: Um, are you doing Coach's Corner? No. We don't put it in here, okay? Okay. We're not doing two wangers a week, are we? No. Hey, chop chopping up. And, up. <laughs> and then questions answered the end. Okay, so not a huge amount happening over the weekend, but interestingly, a Kiwi guy won the Ultraman, and he got a piece on the news last night. Oh, right. I, I, I literally just added that into the... Uh, yeah, so, 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 and he beat the, the Ultraman world record by about 45 minutes. So, oh, really? Yeah, I mean, so pretty great race. But the Ultraman in the sports news...
1: Yeah, Simon but he's had a, a really good... Really good, um, yeah, he's just been smashing records all over the place. But when has
0: is, when is the public ever talked about Ultraman? No, no,
1: they haven't. Like, I mean
0: it only gets two races a year.
1: Not, not disrespecting his performance at all, but it must have been a quiet weekend of sport, not a lot on. We're yeah. sort of between seasons over here, yep. Um. so not much happening. But uh, I haven't actually seen the results. I did hear he, he won, uh, and we had him on the show not that long ago. Mm. So if you want to hear from him, his name's Simon Cochran. It's probably a couple of months ago we had him on. Yep. Um. But yeah, he smashed records. He did, I think he did Australia and Canada yeah. and just smashed it. Um, and I seem to remember one of them. Uh, the reason he went and did Canada was because he didn't get his qualification through the Australia race for some reason to go and do Kona. Um, yeah, we'll maybe talk a bit more about pretty that good next performance.
0: Week. No, yeah, we'll get the stats up next week maybe. But forty-five minute. I think I'm pretty sure it's forty-five minute he's, record. He's course, been,
1: he's been absolutely annihilating the records everywhere. Wow, oh, it's impressive. Why, um, what makes him so good? Well, I don't know because he's um, as an Ironman athlete, he was he was just a good. You know, pro, yeah. sort of one of those guys who's probably generally going to be sort of 5 through 10 yep. in sort of Oceania races, but he's just found the thing that really works for him. Mm. And I, I would imagine he can probably hold the same pace he does at Ironman for, for know, a double period. and uh, and just gets in the, gets in the zone. But it's, it's, you know, Ultraman, we love talking about it. You don't get many big hitters actually going and doing no. it. But over the years, you have had some good athletes do it. So to annihilate the record like that is uh, is awesome.
0: Yeah, you, you you kind of every couple of years you get a good pro.
1: Hmm. You have people like... Um, uh, Kate Bavalaqua. Kate, Kate? Kate, ba- Kate Bavileca, yeah, she yeah. did the the females one. Um, Swedish did Jonas Colton years ago. He did it, I did, did it. But yeah, the, you don't really get many pros um Giving it a crack, but still, I don't want to take any giving me any backhanded compliments no. because um, that's just smashing it, and especially when you haven't got any competition, and especially when it's your first time doing it. um So, good on Simon Cochrane, at Cochrane Ultraman World Champion Cochrane Nissan, as well. He owns a car company, right? Yep, uh, okay, so local joke that yeah. one, <laughs> one. <laughs> it's a real local
0: uh-huh. joke. <laughs> it's, it's a car, it's a Cochrane Nissan, is the car yard in Christchurch for Nissan cars. Probably doesn't exist anymore, does it? I don't uh-huh. think it's called Cochrane Nissan, I just think it's called Cochrane, right? Because they do I think on the corner of Morehouse and. It's getting Manchester. really local, yeah. We're, we're going to sponsor the show, John. <laughs> uh, if you want a car, go to Cochrane Nissan. Okay, uh, we had Ironman West in Australia happen over the weekend. And no, uh, we didn't. We're having it coming oh, up. Oh, coming this up, sorry. I was looking at last year's results.
1: We had uh, a couple of races over the weekend, Challenge Canberra, Els Vissa and Daniel Backengard. Daniel Backengard's doing a bit of a, a mission down south. Um, so he's uh, he took that out by a couple of minutes and uh, Els Vissa beat Finella Langridge by nine seconds. And then another race in Aussie, they had, it was the Hervey, Harvey Bay 100, which Sarah Crowley crushed, and Nicholas Free took out the boys. That was all the racing that I could see we had over the weekend.
0: OK, we have got Ironman Western Australia coming up this weekend. And when we look at the field, not not huge fields in the females, only 11 pros down. And still in the men, is only about 23 as well. So good quality, though, in, yeah, in the females. Good, yeah, it's good athletes there, isn't it? Uh, yeah,
1: we've got Fenella Langridge, Lisa Norton, Els Lottie Wilms, Michelle Vesterby, and Chloe Lane are your top six in the, the females. So that's a decent field. There is a few asterisks there because... Uh, some of those athletes did race, as we just said, um, this weekend. Been, but these days, a lot of athletes seem to race a half and then go off into a full, and they're okay with it. Depends so how it you do, crazy it depends on how
0: you have to go deep in the half, doesn't Sorry? it?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty tough workout to do, you know, seven days out. And the same on the boys' side. Like Daniel Backengard is down to race, and I assume he's heading over there to do that because. Why else would you be in Australia doing, just going there for the Canberra, Canberra Challenge yep. race? Stephen McKerner, Matt Burton, Sam Appleton and Mitchell Kirby are the top five seeds on the boys. You would expect, based off Torsten's predictions, that Daniel Beckengard should be taking that out pretty comfortably. But um, the Aussies race pretty well on home soil, so maybe he won't have it all his own way
0: interestingly John when we look at um, some of the names from the past Mitch Anderson remember me when he won it the first mm-hmm, year mm-hmm. Jason Shortis, mm-hmm. he, was, he was a good athlete wasn't
1: he he was he 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 was um he was a crappy summer he was just good solid because he was a big unit too wasn't he he was a solid yeah you wouldn't mess with him I raced with him once in um in Japan um yeah he was solid yeah but he ran really well for a yeah he was a big, good runner, wasn't dude. he Courtney Ogden yeah,
0: yeah. what are, and Terenzo
1: Bozzoni um, yeah. won it three times. Now, interestingly, the Holy Hammer... Yeah, I saw that. ...sent through an email to me at the weekend that Terenzo Bozzoni did the round torpor cycling race. Um, like did, 100th, did, didn't he? Yeah, so he's obviously still moving, um, but don't really know what he's up to. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing what happens in Western Australia. Weather report, last week I was saying... It looked like they were having a bit of a heatwave. The forecast of this week is not quite so bad, so hopefully we see some speedy Oh, and a heatwave in Western Australia. Things. Just yeah.
0: going back to some of the blasts from the past on the females, Jenna Crawford.
1: She's, uh, her, her boys, uh, both her kids have been uh, doing all my races in the last couple of years. Her son is, one of them is pretty speedy.
0: Carolyn Stephen won it in 2018. That might have been her last win. Because mm. when did she fade away? Probably around that time, though. yeah. Eh? Yep.
1: And she made that. That might have been her little comeback. She did have a comeback, and I remember she had that good race at um, Ironman Australia at Port Macquarie against Laura Siddle. And I think that's when she'd come back after quite a long break. And uh, and I think she just pipped Laura Siddle, um, but it was pretty close. And
0: then uh, who we mentioned before for Ultraman, Kate mm-hmm. um Also won this race back in 2010. So good, good Australian names and good Kiwi names in there. Bit of an iconic. It's been going for a while now, so it's good to see these races get their history behind them. Any other, other races coming up this weekend, John?
1: Um, there is just a couple of randoms. Uh, there is the... Patagonia Man, or uh, we had a Patagon Man, which is in uh, Puerto Rico in Chile, and apparently it is an absolutely beautiful race. And then the other one that's on K226.com is the Herculean Triathlon in India. I'm pretty sure I've talked about that one before.
0: The Herculean. Yeah. We love a name for a triathlon, don't we? We do. We love, it's got to be the world is ending. Yeah. You know, yeah. it
1: wouldn't be soft race. No.
0: no. We love a name. Okay, this week's discussion of the week. It was an interesting one, actually, because we've got quite a bit of comments. Uh What has been the biggest rip-off you have experienced in triathlon? I tell you what, we've got some answers here. Pretty cool.
1: consistent, uh, I don't know, a lot of answers, though, in terms of, getting ripped off by Iron Man with race entry fees, yep. um, which is... And active.
0: So David Hopkins got active registration fees and suckering people into their subscriptions unknowingly. I don't know about that. What happens here?
1: Oh, uh, the active fee, You just when you enter, it's like, whatever, $800 to enter. And then you have this stupid active fee that's always on there and something that's... Uh,
0: but, but what's the subscription?
1: I'm not sure what the subscription they is. must have some subscription. I'll yeah. yeah. screw you every way I can. every <laughs> way. Bend over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Williams, £500 um, pounds for an Ironman backpack. Steve, you're fool for paying 500 Yeah, mate, you're dollars, an idiot. Mate, 500 you for that. Hopefully you didn't buy it. Yeah. Um, Rob Dollymore has got Kona accommodation. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, ben Tasala, airline baggage charges. Scott
0: Horns has got the... Uh, uh, Entry fees for WTC races. I look back over the decades I've been racing, fees increase and value has decreased. Basically paying $900 or whatever the fee is for a supported training day with poorly designed $5 t-shirt finishes, $5 finishes t-shirts. There uh, used to be so much more around the event leading up to the race day. Granted, I've not paid for a full Ironman a WTC Ironman event in years so I'd not actually feel ripped off it would just it's an assumption of my reaction
1: a couple of people have said they're sort of national federations yeah. um, which is I find a little bit odd so Meg uh, Runhappy says UK Triathlon for the price just got a small packet of porridge in general I've got to say that the national federations I don't know I'm not going to say they do a, an amazing job but you've got to support them to support the sport because they're they're yeah, the, there yeah the thing
0: where it's like so Hell has got this year. He's got um, tri race doing age group race in the UK. Uh, entry fee, tri suit and printing, paying for a manager. You don't need paying for a mechanic. You don't need all the race against people from the UK. Uh,
1: I think that he's talking there about going to represent, uh, the country. represent your country
0: because they they charge a lot for that, don't they?
1: They do, um, but the national federations aren't making lots of money. Like they're not a. But a, it's a cash a, money too because mm, I get it.
0: They got you got to support them. But then if they're charging you 500 bucks for a bloody tri-suit. Mm. Now, I don't know if that's what they're charging. Mm. So it's it's kind of like you go to Disneyland, they rip you off for every mm. second you're there, but you want to go to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like it's a catch-22.
1: Rich Walker says uh, energy gels are getting pretty expensive of late. I blame the Swedish marketing company. They're 160, so uh, £4 for 40 grams of carbs, potentially £8 an hour for, a tra- for training or racing.
0: What do you pay for gels nowadays in New Zealand?
1: Um four dollars to oh, six dollars it's still about the same
0: yeah it's not it's stupidly expensive uh, Kylie Cox has got swimming concession cards they expire before I can use them and I don't get better wait a second how often are you swimming Kylie
1: she's not that's a joke she's she's, yeah. she's, she's she, she kept trying you on a joke there okay uh, righty ho um ben pasala i signed up for an Ironman man new coaching course years ago the course was actually pretty decent and not bad value for money however the following on costs that iron man wanted you to pay to register them were astronomical no way i was paying for that
0: for paul fitzpatrick's written a big email here i'm not going to read it but uh he's pretty annoyed because i think
1: there's a bit of a grievance in his family and the way they responded was not good um Jay Brittles Britle, is paying for post-race photos or the package deal beforehand. Overpriced and average quality at best. I've had much better pics sent by, my independent, by independent photographers.
0: Interestingly, I was doing the dog marathon here, and it's an event that's here in Christchurch. and there was a photographer who was a real out there dude. Like He lived mm. in a caravan, or he lived in a campervan. van, and what he'd do is every city he'd go to, he'd, he basically did races every weekend, mm-hmm. and every city he went to would buy a car, mm-hmm. and he'd buy like a $300 car. Mm-hmm. Clean it up, sell it $500 the next day. Yeah. <laughs> so he made a living selling cheap cars and taking yeah. these photos. Um, but his model was you pay what you think it's worth. So he'd do the photos oh, yeah. yeah, and he'd say, yep, you pay what you think it's worth. Yeah. And he said, actually, people were pretty fair. He said mm. that, you know, like most people paid a pretty fair price and mm-hmm. he actually did pretty well out of it, which nice. was an interesting model. Um, Job Samuel's got anything to do with bikes in the current market is ridiculous.
1: Which is odd because most bike companies are struggling. Yeah. Most bike shops, Think at least supply and demand, wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, David Norton paying for a special needs bag that would rib your jocks if you uh, if you've paid a thousand dollars into a race and they want to ch- want you to pay an extra whatever it is for a special needs bag.
0: Good. Oh, um, Aaron Oreski has got here. When Al- um escape from Al- Alcatraz decided to up their price from something like. 350 to 750 for an event, which was just an Olympic distance.
1: Mm, Yeah, that escape from Alcatraz. I I do shudder to think how difficult, that, that race being really close to the city, I'd imagine that's really hard to, to run that race and the water safety there would be probably pretty challenging. You'd have to go uh, OTT with um, support there. Last one I'll do, Alan Bryson, the commercial aspect of the sport. Here in North Wales, one company would charge 100 pounds for a sprint triathlon. I know it's not Ironman. it, it's just not Ironman, it's most of them. We're being ripped off because they think we will pay, and for the most part, we do. <laughs> Triathlon is no longer the sport I fell in love with 12 years ago, and I'm now more than happy to call myself an ultra runner rather than a triathlete. Well, tough titties, Alan, because Ironman own a lot of the yeah. uh, the running races now, so they're coming for you at every angle. Offerage of
0: Mark Baker. He's got requiring transfers to be done within a calendar year instead of 12 months. Late-season uh, late race, and you lost your money if something goes wrong. Yeah, it's a bit wrong, isn't it? It should be twelve months.
1: Yeah, but then you get people. I tell you, people take the piss with some of these things in terms yeah. of. Uh, I had somebody email me, and I was I generously rolled it over one year, and then the next year they said, oh, I can't make it. Can I roll it over the next year?" I'm uh, like, "Really?" Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I sort of want to go into bat for some race organisers. Um, it is bloody expensive to put on events. So I ran a half Ironman at the weekend and uh, financially it's getting way, way harder. And my entry fees for that are very modest. Yep. Um, but unfortunately they're just going to have to go up next year. Yep. Uh, and it's, just, it's pretty tough, but you do think, that but mean they are making money they're making a serious <laughs> yeah, premium on. I just I just wish we had a sport rather than a business and it's it's just everything's business now in our, in our game and that's just unfortunate like a lot of people have commented here, I think there's very few but that, grassroots but races around but
0: is that a tradition in all sports
1: like I don't know like evolution yeah
0: yeah you know when we look at a lot of sports nowadays uh, the, the grassroots are struggling like I know mm. even New Zealand rugby like the play numbers for kids playing rugby are dropping dro- quite dramatically mm. um and so, yeah, it's, it's a hard one, isn't it?
1: I think, and I'm not blowing my own trumpet, um, but, but this race I organised at the weekend, it was just a really relaxed, yep. nice vibe, and I think people really like that. And you look at Parkrun, and, and that's not a business because they don't charge for it, yep. but like, we've got our local Parkrun. Christchurch is a city of, what, 500,000 now maybe? Something in that yeah, sort exactly, of range. Yep. And the Parkrun town the other day, apparently they had like nearly 500 people running. Oh, uh, and so does that get busy on there they would be pretty busy oh yeah, on the yeah. if you're a, uh, if, if you're a 20 to 30 minute runner yeah I don't, I don't know what it's like in there but yeah. <laughs> if I really park run I'm boom I'm off and yeah. I'm not in that melee but it's um yeah that would be pretty tricky so yeah I just find it a bit depressing that there isn't a lot of grassroots stuff happening, and uh, it's all just business, business, business. So I'm kind of defending the the race organisers because it is it's just ridiculously expensive to organise events now. Well,
0: um, the, the, the interesting thing is because like if we look at businesses that the the, the prices and the value, hmm. you know what I mean. So like. Um, If you're willing Some things you can pay a lot for And you think you're getting wicked value Mm -hmm. So There seems to be a discrepancy Between What we feel We're getting the value is Mm. You know Because if if, You know Like it's like um, People pay a lot of money For some things Mm -hmm. And they still feel That's money well spent Mm -hmm. And so I suppose the question is Is for organisers Or for the people who Uh, providing these things is how do I make sure I still feel I'm offering the value of the price I'm charging Mm -hmm. Um, and so things like getting rid of
1: the carbo dinner Mm -hmm. which do they do it all now? It'll vary from race to race the thing is they've got rid of it but they haven't changed your entry fees yeah that's the
0: thing so you kind of feel you're getting less value now don't you
1: so it's kind of like um, yeah and the the issue then becomes you go okay I, I really want to do an Ironman event branded race but I can only, that means I can only afford to do one race and I can't do, yeah. can't do the others. And then so all the others suffer. So I, I would personally, I'd rather see people racing, you know, multiple times during the season. But everyone just seems to be attracted to that big shiny thing.
0: Yeah, well, and it I is a kind of Um What's What do you feel is the thing that you've been most ripped off by?
1: Uh, I just had, I only had a couple of things here. But one thing that it still <laughs> gets me a little bit is uh, a race got cancelled once um, that I was doing and you got nothing back at all. I was like you mo- a lot of your costs are sunk costs but yep. not all of them yeah and if i was what, organizing the race sorry what's i'm not going to name and shape okay. um but if i was organizing a race uh even if it was like a 25% yep. refund or something like that you do your best uh, to give you can. do your best to do some at least token gesture and you would hope that most people understand yeah a lot of your costs are gone so and then the other thing like a lot of people mentioned is processing fees just include it in your entry price. Like yeah. if it's going to cost you $700 plus 50, charge me $750. do not charge me 700 plus a 50. It just annoys me and I know it annoys a lot of other people. Yeah, because it's a lot. Mm. You yeah, know, it's two bucks, fair mm. enough. And I... And- Non triathlon related one is, is as some people mentioned. Uh, sometimes I've almost been ripped off with airline. Well, only one particular time been ripped off with airline charges when they tried to charge you like th- literally thousands of dollars for excess luggage. Um, but that's not really a triathlon specific one.
0: I'm just trying to think of, to think of when I was doing triathlon was there anything I felt I was really ripped off by. Mm. Other than me buying stupid things, probably mm. not. Mm. You know, like I mean, it was expensive, but at that time I was willing to pay it. Um,
1: yeah, I was just I was almost trying to get out of people if there's a product you bought that you just bought it and went, this is just hopeless.
0: I've got that in real life. Yeah. I've got I remember years ago, you know, we, you, we've all done it. Well, a lot of people have done it. Bought the thing, fallen for the easy trap. Mm. You know, so you do this and you'll make it. I I remember I bought this stupid thing. I can't remember. It was like, this was what, 20 and it was kind of like, pay 100 bucks and you get this a list of how you're gonna make money from doing surveys or something crap like that. Mm-hmm. Pay my hundred bucks as soon as I got it. I was like, "Oh, that was a waste of hundred bucks." You know, so you get it. I was like, oh, I'm, "I'm such an idiot." But it was a good. Yeah. It was a good list. It was a good hundred-dollar lesson to learn. Yeah, you know, like it was actually valuable because it was like, you know, what? Don't be an idiot. Don't fall for the trick. Okay. Uh, what costs isn't a big issue for you? How many times would you race again? If cost wasn't a big issue for you, how many times would you race in a season, and what distances would you do? Hmm. So, if you're not going to worry about the cost of an iMad or
1: processing fees, mm. processing <laughs> fees.
0: <laughs> okay, that's this week's question. So, there we go. Again, what is it? It's if cost wasn't a big issue for you, how many times would you race in a season and what distances would you do within a season? Okay, John, you've got a quiz question for me.
1: Yes. John's, um, John's quiz question. question is Andrew Messick is retiring this year. Is it at the end of this year, is it? It's at some stage this year. Yeah. It's coming up anyway. Uh, so how many years has Andrew Messick served as CEO of Ironman? That's a good question. Okay, yeah. let's go to website, website of the
0: Week. It's an awesome magazine, online magazine, taking you back to the old days of triathlon. Have a flick through. So tell me about it, John.
1: So this is called tq.kiwi. So for you overseas listeners, you might be turning off automatically thinking this is going to be Kiwi-based. but And it is... But basically what it is, is an online magazine, which is not revolutionary, but this is really taking you back to the good old days where you actually pick up a magazine and you're flicking through and you just there's a whole bunch of articles. And they've done it really well in terms of it's not the kind of stuff you'd potentially read online just in general articles. It really does feel like a magazine and different to sort of the little stories you'll read online. Um, it's quite so
0: interesting it's, actually because as you're talking... It's very interesting. Like, you can obviously download it. Mm. Um, and I'm kind of on the page right now, but they're doing really innovative things. So, like, you can watch a video. Mm. You know, so they've got the Like, page. they
1: had one in there, and one of our top Kiwi female athletes talking about running drills. And she's sort of, and it's got the article there, but then it's got like a one minute clip of her sort of talking about yeah. it. Um, and so, yeah, it's called TQ. Um, it's a www.tq.kiwi basically an online triathlon magazine it's produced by our national body triathlon new zealand when i was flicking through this latest episode there was quite a few international stories as well things on super league and so on and the other thing that it really focuses on is really beautiful photography so you're going through you know and it's just and it's just a nice thing so if you're somebody that from the good old days you love flicking through magazines um i'd say go and have a look at it and uh see what see what you think comes out Quarterly, that's why it's called Triathlon Quarterly, Um, definitely has a key.
0: John Hellman's got a piece on all aboard the Norwegian-type training, question mark, scientifically speaking.
1: And in this latest issue, they have uh, Dan Plews, who is uh, a British guy living in New Zealand who coaches Chelsea Sedaro, amongst other things, and he set a, a record in... Uh, Kona. He also set a record and wrote. He went. I think he went sub eight somewhere. I'm not sure if that was Kona or somewhere else. Um, he's big into sort of low carb, high fat, um, and he's a sports science guy. I've had him on the show before. Um, so he's got an article in there about sort of I think level zone two training. Um, so yeah, there was just to me it seems like a really great product. So if you want to check it out, go to tq. That's free. It's free.
0: Yeah awesome like, like literally as John's saying I'm just kind of flicking through it as we're talking about, and it's exactly what you wanted from a triathlon magazine mm. yeah it's really good mm. yeah so whoever's producing it well done like, I know it's triathlon New Zealand but who's yeah. doing the work and actually making it work because it's very thorough it's 130 pages
1: yeah and know, that's, like, a, that's the third issue um, and they've all been pretty pretty similar
0: yeah, so, okay, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, make it a regular thing. And you thing. do a
1: Where's Wally, and you try to see the picture of me in there somewhere. Oh, where are you? Which episode? I'm
0: in, I'm in, uh, the, I'm in the latest the one. one. Okay, T3, th- th- click here for T3. Yeah. Okay, you Where's you Wally? S-
1: you have to scan through and find Where's Is Wally. Is it a hard
0: Where's Wally? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Fastest age grouper ever, Dan Dr. Dan Plews. There mm. we go, so... Yeah, check it out. Um, and spread the word about it because it's a cool thing. And if you're a triathlete, I Especially you if you're it.
1: a Kiwi, spread the word uh, and get people looking it. Can you do magazines nowadays? Sorry? Can you still buy magazines? Not to my, not really. Not that I know of anyway. Okay. Okay, Jonbo, let's go to our interview. Who we got? We have Luke McKenzie. Here he comes. here. Is he right now. Righty-ho, team. So uh, for those of you uh, relatively new to the whole tri scene, you might not uh, be overly familiar with today's guest because he had an amazing race back in 2013 when he finished second at the Ironman World Champs when they were in Kona. Uh, Also a nine-time Ironman champion in his own right as well uh, over a very long career, but hasn't been racing since 2019. Um, His last race was the Laguna Phuket Triathlon, um, which was one of my old favourites. His name's Luke McKenzie so welcome back to the show luke
2: thanks guys it's been a while uh yeah it's really good to uh be on and uh, chat about all things past and present 2017
1: we interviewed you It may have been in kona it may have been after kona one year um but you obviously sort of tied up the boots from 2019 do you do you miss racing
2: i get that question a lot it's uh one that um yeah I guess there's two sides to it. I mean I definitely do miss the racing. I I still get to go to a lot of the races these days and I I get there and I think oh, yeah I I do miss this part of it. Uh but to be honest the the big long training days and and the the work that goes into it um you know I I did this sport for a long time and had a long career and uh I I'd, I'd had enough of that. And so yeah I, I'm not going to get to that start line if I haven't put in the big long training day. so yeah uh, to say that I miss it. No, I, I, I guess I say I don't miss it.
0: Have you been the athlete who's finished a sport and become the unfit person or, or how have you transitioned with your health and fitness once you've stopped being an athlete? Cause even that could be a struggle for some athletes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've kept quite fit uh, in my retirement. I think, you know, I've found that obviously swim, bike and run every day. It's just not something that I'm able to, to do day in, day out anymore. Uh, there's a lot, Of other things going on in life, but if I can get out at least once a day, um, probably mostly running these days. uh, Once or twice a week, cycling is is pretty good for me. But my my newfound uh, hobby and something I find quite uh, fun to do is a bit of kayaking. So I've been doing this paddling, uh, and I've actually gotten right into that the last few weeks. Been doing it two or three times uh, a week, and it's a great way to start the day, getting out on the Noosa River and uh, seeing, you know, our beautiful landscape from a different point of view, I guess.
1: Uh, well, we have to get you over here for coast to coast over in New Zealand the next <laughs> couple of years.
2: Uh, yeah, Braden's been on to me about that, but yeah, no, I, I don't think I could hold a candle to those guys. You know, that that's a that's a whole nother beast. And to be honest, I mean, I my my I call it exercise now. It's not training. I I just love to get out and keep fit. I mean, I'm not out there trying to set records or. Um, trying to really push my limits i'm I'm really just out there to enjoy it and that's probably what where the kayaking's coming in
0: can i ask you know because you're an athlete for a long time you had a very successful career what was it like for your identity to stop being an athlete
2: interesting i i mean i don't i guess i transitioned out of it and still stayed around the sport uh at the same time so i guess you know i was quite active, uh, still in the community and maybe some people didn't even really notice I'd left besides racing, you know, I was still there. So, um, you know, I've, I've, I've enjoyed transitioning to this side of the fence, you know, I'm still, still at the events and I'm, I'm supporting a lot of the the athletes now that I actually used to compete against, which is quite fun. So, you know, to, to be you know, teaming up with some of the world's best athletes now is something that, you know, in my absence of my own goals i think you know i've sort of substituted them with helping others with theirs
1: um i've seen you uh, i'm not sure if it's on ironman coverage or whether it was on pto coverage i think doing a few little bit of comment comments work is that um is that just something that's happened on a, on a whim or is that sort of a, a path that you might want to go down fur, further down the track if uh, if, if time allowed
2: huh. Yeah, it's absolutely a whim. I guess I'm just the guy that's always around. And I, I guess <laughs> the morning of the race, they're like, oh, look, just grab a mic and, and you know, give us a few comments. So, you know, I think that's uh, something I do enjoy it. But honestly, you know, I, I think for me, I, I love to get a, around the course and watch the race and sort of be on my own time. I'm not really one to sit in a commentary booth or, um, you know, be told where to be when and whatnot. I really love to get around on race day. Um, you know, most race days these days, Beth and I will go out for quite a long run and, and we'll support the race that way. So it's, uh, you know, if I was in a commentary booth, I don't think I'd enjoy it as much. I I do enjoy the commentary. I just probably would rather just jump in on the comments here and there.
0: We're going to talk a little bit about what's happening in the sport right now, but I'm just kind of curious, you know, once you leave being a pro athlete and I I know you're still quite actively involved in the sport in a way, shape or form, but what have you learned about yourself now that you wouldn't have learned as an athlete, but you actually wish you knew as an athlete?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I think as, you know, as I transition into a bit more of a business mindset, I've actually applied a lot of what I was putting into my professional triathlon racing uh, into my business. But I think, you know, looking back now, I think, you know, there were some tough times during your triathlon career and you're always going to have those ups and downs, but that's not just in the, in the triathlon world. I mean, it's, it's in everyday life as well. And whether you're, you're racing uh the the best athletes in the world, you know, on, on a start line, or if you're, you know, um, doing business deals or, or uh, you know, heading to work and having to to put out fires here and there, it's the same thing. It's just applying that, uh, kind of mentality. And I think that's where, you know, I sort of see myself now is, you know, as a business person, I'm, I'm really drawing on my experiences from, from my professional triathlon days for sure.
1: Is it, you know, you obviously super speedy, um, you know, your forte was just going out there and smashing it, you know, Sam Lalo maybe a little bit this year, you know, just going out there and ripping it up on the bike, the athletes at the moment are just breaking records, like just about every flipping race. Does it does it blow you away how much quicker they are going now than as opposed to you know it was only you know four years ago or so you were racing, but the times are just tumbling. Does it sort of blow you away, or or, or is, do you think a big part of it is the technology really sort of kicking in?
2: Yeah, a bit of both. I think. I mean, the athletes now. I mean, there are some of these guys like you just alluded to, like Sam Laidlow. I mean, they've been doing it since birth, and so they're coming up. <laughs> through the sport, um, at a very young age. And I mean, already in the early twenties, they're, they're world beaters. And I think, you know, that's the difference. I think back during, I would say my time, you know, it was always sort of a bit, uh, uh, you know, you were if you started racing Ironman too early, that was definitely a bit of a no, no, you know, everyone told you, oh, you, you don't go and race Ironman until you're in your thirties, but there's a lot of these guys and girls that are really breaking that mold now. And, And there's athletes that are proving that in their early twenties that they can be at the, at their peak and in the best form. So, you know, I think that's where the sports really evolved, you know, when we haven't got a bunch of 30 year olds that are, uh, duking it out at the world championship level anymore. I mean, it's the, the racing is getting younger and younger and it's exciting to see, I mean, there's some athletes out there doing some mind blowing stuff and, you know, I was just down uh watching melbourne 70.3 this past weekend to see what hayden wild just did in the in the 70.3 there it's just like another one stepping up into this long course realm that you know is just going to blow people's minds and it's just endless and so i think technology has come a long way in even just 10 years but i i wouldn't just put it down to technology i think the athletes are smarter now their training techniques are a lot better um and you know i think there's a lot more professionalism in the sport i mean i think that's what's Really brought about this real, quite drastic uh, improvement in times over the last couple of years. Um, there's
1: obviously a lot going on at the moment. You know, Iron Man have just announced uh the uh, the sort of year end bonus we've got the PTO that are going to be expanding their series um when we're going to see the rest of the dates on that who knows um and then you've got challenge as well you know challenge road and and a few other of the the bigger challenge races so there's there's quite a bit of choice that's going to be happening uh, especially next year um if you were back if, if you were racing these days you know assuming your, your strengths and weaknesses were were similar to to what they were in your day how would you start about You know, looking at the season and and planning and deciding which races you're going to go about doing.
2: Well, it's quite interesting, isn't it? I mean, we're in quite a golden era right now for professional triathlon. There's so much opportunity and a lot of money in the sport with prize money in the PTO series. Now, the Ironman series just announced, Um, you know, challenge have always been there as well. And so I think athletes are getting sport for choice right now. And I think that that's sort of something that they're going to have to really plan their season out well, because I think there's probably the ability to overrace now, given that there's so much opportunity, but you've also probably got to pick your battles as well. And what's going to suit your strengths, Uh, you know, a a smart travel schedule. I mean, if if you were to do all of the, the races on the calendar, that'd be a ridiculous amount of travel as well. So you've got to factor in, you know, training periods, you know, travel, uh, all sorts of things like that. And uh, even just the season longevity now, I mean, you can, you can basically start racing in New Zealand in, in January and uh, finish next year in New Zealand in, in December. So, I mean, yeah. to race a full 12 month calendar, I mean, it, it's, I guess it's always been like that, but it's just so full now with like really high quality events. So, and we haven't even factored in that there'll probably be another couple of PTO races announced in the very near future. So you know, once, once they're filled in the, in their dates as well, I mean, that's just going to be, um, yeah, it's going to be literally a race nearly every weekend to choose from, which it makes it exciting as a spectator. I mean, I think there's a lot of good racing going on week in, week out, which I think the sport needs. I think as an athlete though, yeah, I, I would be approaching it. You know, I'd be looking at what races really suit my strengths, uh, what period of the year I generally, you know, tend to do well. I, I feel like I always sort of had a a really good period d- during May, June. And then again, I tried to peak later in the year in October, November. So I think that's sort of where athletes are going to really have to look at their calendar, choose their periods and, and, and go for it that way.
0: Well, you know, you're on the ground a lot, you know, a lot of races and you're, you've you got good connections with the pro athletes. What what are you going of? What's the vibe you're kind of hearing from the athletes about what's happening currently, you know, with the PTO, with, you know, Ironman's announcements and just their life in general as a pro athlete?
2: Yeah, I mean I've had a lot of a conversation just in the last couple of weeks. Obviously a lot of people are starting to plan for 2024 and how they're going to go about their season and yeah, I think the 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 only frustration that people are having right now is the lack of knowledge of what's going on with the PTO and you know I I know I can understand and sympathize on their side of things, you know, they're really trying their best to secure really good locations uh and shutting down major cities and I think that's probably where you know, that's at this point of the year, athletes really want to know what they're doing next year. They like, especially coming off a bit of a break, maybe after a niece or a Kona, and they're like ready to get into their training plan, but they, they really don't have that direction yet. So hopefully PTO can, you know, get that schedule out in the very near future. So then that, then the athletes can weigh it up against the Ironman pro series, weigh it up against what challenge has to offer. And then they can go about setting a really good race schedule for next year. But yeah, I think you know that that's probably what most of the conversation I've been having with the pros has been, and and I think probably just the like I alluded to before that the season is so long next year, and I, I know quite a few athletes have their eyes set on uh topu. The sorry, how do you say it again? I got toe corrected. By
1: that. toe as in the toe oh, on your that's foot. Right, foot the because Hayden in Hayden been
2: to me the other day about not saying it right. So yeah. um, thanks for that. Uh, I knew the Kiwis would know. So yeah, um, given that that's in December, uh, that makes for a very long year, and you know it's an Olympic year next year as well. So you've got the athletes that are also short course focused, and and then they'll switch to the to the long course. So I think it's just a real big juggling act. But at the end of the day, I think if the you know what we've seen in the last couple of years is that you know there's the ability to switch between distances too now, which is just it wasn't it wasn't done five even ten years like just up until recently it just wasn't done and so it's really exciting to see that the athletes that are at the forefront of the olympic distance racing can also be at the at the front end of the ironman distance
1: um now you, you back when you're an athlete you would have had played the fun games of uh trying to get sponsorship and making men, ends meet you know you get your your race income from prize money but then obviously uh, hopefully a good chunk was coming from sponsors as well now you're on the other side of the fence and you're obviously managing deals Um, I'm not sure if it's exactly you or someone else in the the organization what are you looking for when you uh, if an athlete contacts you or vice versa if you're going the other way and you're contacting athletes uh, if they want to come on board with with win um, what, what are sort of the key things you're looking for?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting uh, perspective to be coming from these days is obviously I'm on the other side of the fence. You know, I was, I was that athlete not too long ago where I was reaching out to companies and and wanting to work with, with, with some of the best industry partners. And I think being on this side of the fence now, I've, I've got a good understanding of what athletes are looking for and um, what athletes can provide. And I think, you know, I've, I've, I'm trying my best to support as many athletes as I can. I think that, that, you know, I, I can see their position that, that they're in and, and what, you know, what that the goals that they're trying to tr- achieve. And I, and I really appreciate when, when athletes of you know, the caliber of the athletes that are coming to us right now that want our support and want to be part of the journey with us. I think that's, that's an exciting thing. And it's, it's something that I'm, you know, it's a, a it's quite a battle as well. We're still only a small, quite a small company trying to do a lot, and I think that's something that maybe some people don't quite realize. But I think it's something that we're managing quite well as well. So I think, um, you know, I I'm trying to look for athletes uh, that aren't just out there, uh, looking to. I mean, they they could be the best athletes in the world, but. Uh, how are they engaging with the community? I mean, what else have they got going on in their life outside of triathlon? I think there's a whole, uh, you know, sort of broader view that I'm looking at with all of our athletes as well as, is, is, you know, like, what, do you have another dimension to, to your, to, to know what, what you bring to the table that you can, you can provide to work with us. So I think, you know, I've done really well with, Uh, working with athletes over the last couple of years that that are doing that and I think that's that that, that's exciting for me.
0: Just in regards to that you know like you know we just hear the importance of social media for for most companies nowadays and obviously being a you know like a an apparel company how, how much more important is it is it do you want someone who's got great social media presence who maybe isn't winning races or someone who's winning races who maybe isn't so great in social media?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the constant battle these days. I think, you know, a day would not go past where I don't have someone approaching us for sponsorship that leads with, I've got X amount of followers. and and (laughs) and But then you delve into it a little bit more and, you know, they haven't got a result to their name yet. And so it's, it's one of those things that's like, well, okay, that's great. You've got a great following. But at the same time, you know, I'm also looking to support people that, uh, have put some work and some time in as well. So it's, it's one of those things that you are constantly evaluating. And I think, you know, I can see that, I mean, we've supported people that do have a great social media following. And I think that that's proven beneficial to us. And then there's also been times that, you know, we've, we've worked with, with athletes that have a massive social media following and, and we don't generally see the needle move that much. So I think, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, the the state of play these days, I don't think we can always just hinge everything on social media. And I don't think we can always, always just hinge everything on results. I think there's, there's a lot more, um, there needs to be a, a, a good balance between the two. And I think that's what we're always trying to look for.
1: So obviously one relationship that's going gangbusters is um, obviously Chelsea Sedaro, you know, um, she was with the BMC setup when she won Kona, but she's obviously come on board with you guys, um, since then, and she's had a, a roller coaster road, but this year, but some um, some really nice performances. Um, not winning Kona, but still some really respectable ones. But getting a lot of visibility for you guys. So, what have you been doing with her in terms of? Uh, I sort of was looking. You, you developed a kind of a quite a unique tri suit for her, and and how has she sort of been involved in that in terms of your R and D and so on?
2: Yeah, I mean that's was probably the most exciting thing to happen to us around this time last year was it was even been in the conversation to work with an athlete the caliber of Chelsea and I guess since we started the company in 2017 it had always been my goal to be the best uh, apparel company in the sport of triathlon and I think that you know acquiring athletes that had uh, a performance mindset like Chelsea and I guess in a lot of ways when I was speaking to her this time last year you know it, I saw a lot of myself back in my days racing in her and I really was excited about the possibilities to um, further develop, um, you know, our apparel alongside her in her quest to become uh, the Ironman world champion again this year. And, you know, obviously that didn't, um, you know, that didn't all come, come off, but I've been, I can understand from, from the athlete's point of view that, you know, that, the ideal race just doesn't always play out. And I think she did quite well in Kona this year to really salvage uh, a great result after, you know, um, probably being in a position she didn't really expect to be in. So, um, but working with her this year has been an absolute pleasure. I mean, I absolutely love our conversations that we have and the input that she's having uh, when we're developing our suits. I and mean, she's a very switched on lady. And I think that that's something that. Um, you know I love working with our athletes and they when they come to me and they they have ideas and we can we can play them off each other and you know she's been very diligent this year with her testing you know we've we've been into the wind tunnel she's um, you know she's constantly evaluating you know what she can do um, just to get that every little bit out of her performances and so I think um, you know, that's probably when you're talking about before, you know, like racing's getting faster, you know, there just is a lot more athletes paying attention to all these details now. And I think, you know, Chelsea's definitely one of the women that is really pushing those boundaries at the moment.
1: how much can you gain? You know, your your tri-suits to when Republic uh, you know, looking super fast and when people like Chelsea are choosing to be with you they're not going to go somewhere that's actually not going to give them the optimal equipment you know what's mm-hmm. roughly what's the difference between having just a, a run-of-the-mill really basic tri-suit versus having a a, a top-of-the-line you know super aero suit you know when you're when you're racing Ironman
2: yeah I mean it it, it really does uh, come into a pl- into play once you're talking about the Ironman distance the full distance and um, you know if you're if you're in a, a really good Aero suit with a low CDA you know pushing good power I mean it could be the difference of up to five odd minutes over yes. the course of the 180 kilometers and we've proven that with some of our testing that we've done um, just between you know testing our suits against other suits testing our suits against our current suits versus our next level suit you know it's just it there's so many variables and I think you know I think at the moment um it's we're really uh still only really breaking the surface with what can be done as well I mean I've been in the velodrome the last few weeks uh working with some athletes and you know some of the ideas and things that are going around right now and uh proving to be faster I think you know we'll continue to see bike splits uh come down but I mean beyond bike splits as well and beyond aerodynamics I think you know where we're at now with the kind of fabrics that we're using with cooling you know we're racing in a lot of hot humid conditions uh features in the suits that are not only aerodynamically beneficial but also uh you know for hydrophobics for um you know for ventilation for breathability all that stuff i think that's that's where tri suits are really evolving right now and that what we're constantly trying to improve and on
1: the opposite end of the spectrum, though, you obviously had last year. You know, you're supporting Colin Chartier, and, um, and if anybody's been hiding under a rock, they'll they'll know what happened there. Given you're a small company um, and you know trying your best to support athletes, and he was probably one that was probably an up and comer prior to that US Open, he hadn't had uh, a ton of amazing results. That must have ripped your jocks when that happened.
2: Yeah, it was a tough one, mate. I mean, I think. You know, it's one of those things that's in the past now. But at the time, it, it really did sting. You know, we were his only sponsor for two years, and oh, no. you know, we we supported him uh, to a place where he started to have some success. And I guess that success, whether it came, um, you know, through performance enhancement or not, I think you know it was exciting at the time to to see where he'd gotten to. But then, you know, obviously when the positive news came out i think the thing that really hurt the most was the lack of knowledge that we had i mean we literally found out with everybody yeah. else uh, you know there was no heads up or anything like that um but the thing that probably stung the most you know we were his only sponsor for a couple of years and you know he'd obviously had the success at the end of of 2022 and uh you know we we backed him for that next year. And there was, you know, a, quite a bit of a financial contribution put towards him. It meant that we, as a small company, we had to, you know, forgo sponsoring uh, some, some other athletes that came that came to us at that during that period. And, and, you know, I'm, I was willing to back Colin and uh, that was, you know, a tough thing for me to swallow when, you know, with, when we found out just with everybody else. And um, but, you know, it, like, like I said, it's in the past. And I think, you know, he's, um, you know, he's, he's taken his ban and I think that that's, you know, something now that he's going to have to live with, uh, for the rest of his life. I don't think we'll see him back racing triathlon again and nor should he probably show his face again. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that that period, yeah, it was a little bit of a dark period for us, but I think, you know, it, we, we got through it well. And I think that there's been a lot more positives to, to come from it, uh, since actually. So, you know, um, it it is what it is now. I think that it, it's in the past, and we can we can only look forward. Cool. So,
1: in terms of looking forward, um, what's on the agenda for you guys in terms of uh, the next sort of six to twelve months? You know, do, what sort of races are you generally at? If people want to come and see you guys, if you've got booths or anything like that, so what's uh, how can people sort of follow you and find where you're going to be?
2: Yeah, I mean, we've got another gangbuster year planned I, i've sort of been going over it with beth over the last week or two and uh if this year seemed crazy i guess next year seems even more crazy so i think you know we're, we're looking forward to having a little bit of downtime now actually just once i'm in western australia's uh done i'll, I'll probably take a few months off the travel and that's really the time that uh, i'm going to be knuckling down with our pro athletes with our suit development and uh during that period too, we're going to have some pretty exciting uh, sponsorship announcements as well. So we're sort of gearing up for that at the moment. Uh, I've got some great athletes coming on board next year and you think, uh, you think it's great now. I think next year is going to be even better. So I'm really looking forward to getting behind those athletes in 2024. And, you know, it's just such a massive year with, you know, the PTO series, it's an Olympic year. Uh, We've got a world champs down here in the Southern hemisphere. So it's going to be massive and, Um, yeah, you're going to find us. We're going to be at, you know, a lot of the events, a couple of the PTO events, uh, we'll be at some of the major Ironman events as well. And we're even going to challenge Roth. So I think, um, if it's a big race, you could probably find us there, which would be good.
0: It's really cool to see you transition out of sport and you know doing something that's really new and exciting and and, and being successful with it. Um, if people want to check out the gear, you go to winwynrepublic.com.au. I will put a link to it in the show note. But mate, it's, well mate. It's really cool because you know, like a lot of athletes can get lost after their career, and it's cool to see that you've kind of done the sidestep and uh, being just as patient and working just as hard in something new and exciting.
2: Yeah, no, I think I've all, I was always the athlete that sort of wanted to have something going on the side, and you know, obviously I. I delved into a bit of race directing with the Island House Try. And then that sort of was one of those things that I was like, I can't see myself doing this forever. And, you know, it was just fortunate that Beth um, was behind the idea of starting an apparel company. I think, you know, it's, Something that we we started while we we're still racing, and we had no idea where it'd lead. And I guess now it was quite an easy transition for us to to give up the racing and and follow our dreams with this, and but still be heavily involved with the sport. I think it's it's quite ideal. So very fortunate, and just loving every second of it.
1: so guys if you want to go and uh as bevan said check them out uh, winrepublic.com.au and also if you want to hear a bit more from luke in terms of his racing career go back to uh, episode 590 which was in 2017 um and i'm sure back then we would have talked a lot more sort of try stuff when luke was still actively racing so thanks for your time luke and all the best with uh, the upcoming season looking forward to hearing those uh sponsorship announcements
2: Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah, no, it's always great to have a chat, and uh, it's, I'm looking forward to being over in your part of the world uh, at the end of next year. I think that's an exciting year ahead, so can't wait. Awesome, mate. Thanks, mate. Good talking to, go to Luke, isn't it? A because he was a great athlete. He was a, he, he
0: had that awesome bike that time, wasn't it? There was a Kona.
1: Yeah, he was. Yeah, and he smashed the bike. I think Freddie van Leer. I think it was, yeah, so it was who was down. Yeah,
0: mm. he was that. Yeah, 2012 was it? Mm. Was around then? Round about then. Yeah. 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 Um. And, uh, but it's cool because A, he's brought out of business and good on him, mm-hmm. uh, but he's, he's still in the sport, you know, like he's still a bit of a man on the, on the ground.
1: Yep, he is. And he, there was a number of people at the race at the weekend that were wearing his Win Republic uh, gear as well as Trink gear. So Trink is a local company down here in Christchurch run by a guy called John Ellis and lots of them out there racing as well. Um, yeah, everything was looking good, but uh, good on him. So uh, yeah, good, good, uh, good thinker and it looks like he's pretty excited about the future of our sport. Which is what we want
0: to hear. Okay, John, let's go to Wait. of the week. week. Okay, what are you going to pick? You can pick. Let's this go. Week.
1: A, we'll go a low number. We're going to go number eighty-three. Let's okay. have a look. Ah, Tim Hemming. Oh, good old Tim <laughs> Hemming. what? <laughs> Tim Hemming. He's he's uh, he's he's. If, if you've watched any of the um, PTO footage um, earlier, this year, all the build-up shows the PTO, and they're kind of trying to do like Formula One ta- style stuff, yep. and they'd have. Tim on there and it would have a black background and he'd be the serious one sort of explaining you know that um, Lucy Charles really wants us. She's got no weaknesses yeah, nice. and things like that. And he did a really good job. Uh, and so he he does a lot of stuff with PTO, and he also does um, a lot of freelance work. You'll see him popping up and all over the place in different magazines and in America as well. Does sort of those long in-depth um, articles. So Tim did last week. Did eleven hours and thirty-nine minutes of training from fourteen activities. Did three hours and forty-one minutes on the swim. Solid amount of swimming. Yeah. Uh, four hours eighteen. Uh, four hours forty-eight on the bike and three hours and nine minutes on the run um, he has got a private account but we know he is based in the UK but that's about all I can tell you about him because I'll uh, I actually I'm gonna I'm gonna
0: well the good thing about Tim is he's a passionate person about the sport mm-hmm. he gives a lot back to the sport he's been in it for a long time you know like he really cares about promoting the sport and doing his best to make the sport a bigger thing to the public so you do really important work Tim so we love your work
1: Yes, Tim Hemming, you are our winger of, of the week, and I've just
0: requested to follow him so I can see what he's up to. Okay, let's go into the quiz question. So when did Andrew Masek
1: start? So who was there? It was Jim someone before, wasn't it? Tim, it was Furtick, Ben Furtick before ben him. Ben Furtick. Um,
0: and then there was someone else before him, wasn't
1: there? There definitely
0: was. I'm, I'm going to say probably about 2011.
1: So that would make it twelve years. Was, Lance I, was
0: still racing because Lance did California. Yes, you know he did the the tour of California, and that's when yeah. and that's when, Mystic um, was the because he he did the he did that tour before he took over Iron Man. Mm, and the then
1: Am- Amgen Tour of California. Yeah, interesting sponsor. Um, and and
0: Mystic took over. Who's who's MGN?
1: Uh, medical company. Okay.
0: Yeah, America. <laughs> um, and then. And then he took over Ironman not long after that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Lance was still, So when did Lance kind of blow up? Because he was going to come with Lance, remember?
1: Yeah. Well, Lance. Uh, I remember Lance did the Kona seventy point three one year. We were over there. Um, did, you,
0: did you do it yet?
1: No, I was on the sidelines. Did you meet him? Sorry. Did you meet him? No, no. Don't have any desire to meet me. Either, to no, be but at that moment, were you? But he ran past our condo we're at, and that people got a bit excited about that. Yep. And I do remember watching him on the race. He was racing against Greg Bennett, who was there doing the 70.3 as well. This is when they still had a pro race there. And I'm pretty sure he kept up with Greg Bennett coming out of the swim. And in the Kona 70.3, you come up this little climb. Well, no, the old course. You came up this little climb from Harpoona Beach. You turned right and you went down the right, down the Queen K towards Hawaii or towards Kona for maybe... I don't know, 5K, something like that. Yep. And then you turn around, and you come back past, and then you go out to Harvey and back. And so they were either together or really close coming up out of this hill and starting on the, the bike. And then they did this out and back, and Lance Armstrong must have put like two minutes into oh, Greg really? Bennett. really? It's just an astronomical gap. Wow. And I was like, He's probably holy smokes. Yeah. <laughs> he was smoking, and he annihilated everybody in the race. He, he won on the run as well at Greg Bennett. Didn't catch him.
0: Um, you know what, the, the, the really disappointing about the Lance story, well, there's so many disappointing aspects to it, but imagine if he wasn't a cheat, how mm. cool it would have been for triathlon to have Lance come, mm. you know, if, if in, in another universe, he was just a really awesome cyclist who had dominated their sport for a period, mm. and he come, it would have been absolutely cool, because mm. he, he showed a bit of pedigree, didn't he?
1: Oh, yeah, he was awesome. He yeah. was very, very good.
0: And, and triathlon, after you've done his cycling, you're not mm. just in cycling, obviously, but yeah. um, it would have been really cool to see him come to Kona. Mm. Like, How cool would have that story been if he hadn't
1: been a cheat? Mm. Really you know? would have brought more eyeballs in. So when was that? When do you reckon that was? I, I'm going to say about when you said, about 2011-ish, something like that. Yeah. 2010, 2011, somewhere around yeah. about there. Yeah, I think about then. So I'm... Uh, the CEO Ironman Mastic announces retirement on my birthday this year oh, on the 6th go. of July. And I'm going to click on the article in a moment. I'm going to go with.
0: I said 11, didn't
1: I? Yeah, I will go with 10, 2010. Let's see if this magazine, triathlete.com, has went, how long he's been in charge for. Do, do, do. Righty-ho. Yeah, this is great podcast. Yep. Even if we don't have the yeah. answers here. Yeah,
0: you should yeah should look that up first. What year did you say? I said eleven. Damn it! <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, Messick joined Ironman in 2011 after serving as president of AEG Sports and senior vice president of the National Basketball Association. NBA. So, that's what it says. Yeah, Sen- senior, senior vice, vice president. president at the Na- National Basketball Association.
0: Geez, you think you would staff the NBA. Mm. I would have.
1: Under the under the series has grown from twenty-five Ironmans to fifty-four. It's um, oh no, grown from twenty-five Ironman in 54, 70.3 races to more than one hundred and seventy Ironman seventy-point-three and fifty-one fifty races worldwide.
0: And they've picked up other marathons. And, and at time,
1: the company has also acquired dozens of rock uh, events, rock and roll marathon events, ultra running, cycling. UTMB, and the Epic series of mountain bike races.
0: Interesting to we'll do a bit of a his legacy once he was actually out of the job.
1: Yeah, get out the door. Yeah, <laughs> we, we're waiting for <laughs> the moment.
0: Yeah. But you know, because these he there was a bit, a bit of a legacy there. Yeah, you know, they're, they're not owned by Wonder anymore, are they? No,
1: who owns them now? A bunch of venture capitalists, I think. Okay, mm.
0: interesting stuff. Okay, uh, John, what was your swimsuit?
1: swim set? Swim set today. it was a bit of a recovery session because people raced at the weekend, and those that turned up um, were taking it pretty easy. We did four hundred. 300 warm up doing 50 freestyle 25 backstroke and then 450 meters of 50 kick 50 drill 50 freestyle and then our first little main set was going 300 easy 200 steady 100 moderate twice through and then we did an 800 pull doing 150 sort of easy to steady then 50 moderate repeating that through four times 225s underwater and 200 warm down 3k
0: Good times, rock and roll. Okay, team. If uh, you want to get the show, oh, let's say they you to our patrons first.
1: Craig The Rock Nicholson Mandy T. McTeller And Chris The Combuster Apple
0: Love your work Okay, if you want to become a patron, go to www.iamtalk.me. We support the boys with the show It really helps us do what we do uh, If you want some coaching, coach johnnewson.com For epicamp, go epiccamp.com. For anything I do, bevandjamesos.com And you can email us at imtalkpodcast at
1: gmail.com John Mo, what's your goss? What's my goss? Well, Who I'm... won the race? Uh we had Danielle Donaldson took out the Oxman uh, on the female side, and um, his name just lose me for a second here. Uh, oh,
0: come on, mate, restrict it here. I know, I know, you my know.
1: brain's a bit scrambled. He's from Timaru, I can just picture his, his face right now, and for Timuru some reason I have uh, got a brain fade. Which, which happens a lot when you're organising races. You're doing, you're doing uh, registration and stuff, and they're coming up. and you're like, ah, oh. <laughs> forgot what's surname? What's your surname again? Oh, yeah. it's, it's horrible when that happens. I hate uh, it with
0: never mind blank. I remember one time I was with my coaches. My coaches standing right next to me, and I'm just introducing. I say, "Hey, it's Bevan." Hey, it's, you know, introducing the coaches, mm. and I just turned and I forgot someone's name. Yeah, and I just went blank. And like you know, like I knew, you know, of course, I know them. Yeah, and I was like. Was it?
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, Jared Miller took out the boys race. I think it's the third time he's won it. So I certainly know Jared and he's a good bloke. Uh, He's got a couple of kids and he hasn't raced for a couple of years and he is building up to do Ironman New Zealand. So uh, he took it out by seven minutes and then Danielle Donaldson took out the females race by nine minutes. Any funny stories? Any funny stories? Oh, yeah. So at this race we have... Whole range of events. So we have like the Half Iron Man, we've got like a mini, which is kind of a sort of the olympic-ish type distance yep. and then we have a junior race and we have a multi-sport race and we had a kids race and normally we have the kids race in this paddock and it's quite hard going on for you know riding yeah. across a, a yeah. farm paddock <laughs> um, but this year we moved it out onto the shingle road and it actually ended up working pretty well i think we probably had 40 kids and okay. they're five to nine year olds uh, so they're pretty small yeah you know so my first worry was they were going to crash on the turnaround points because it was a short it's just a straight road Turn around, out and back. back You'd be turning on a slippery shingle road. So at one end, um, I said you've just got to slow down. The other end, there was this little traffic island. I could get them to ride over, um, which was grass. So I thought they'd be a bit safer going around there. Um, Shane Reeves, patron of the show. Yep. Love your work, Shane. He works up as works up a storm at these events. Oh he does really? An amazing it's good man, job. Shane. So first thing was, I stitched him up. He said, you stitched me up there big time because I got him to be lead cyclist in the, in the eight to nine-year-old's race. No too fast? <laughs> <laughs> he comes back. He's got sweat pouring <laughs> off him. It's and he's, uh, he got, yeah, he had to work his ass off to stay in front. And then the second race was <laughs> the- Yeah. cold. Yeah. Because you're,
0: you're just in the shame of the kids beating you up. Yeah. Wife. I talk about, Motivation. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. Shane's only eight
1: years old. Uh, and then the second one, we had the five to seven year olds. So I waited for all of the eight to nine year olds to clear the bike course. And then Shane's leading the, the five to seven year olds. And this turnaround we had on the grass, we had two cones there and, and a triathlon sign saying turnaround. And it was also for the, for the run course for the other events as well. And so he went around it. And the kid who was behind him, everyone was looking down the road. And this kid, just rode straight into oh, the two no. cones in the sign, like, fuck! <laughs> like he didn't even just clip it; he just rode straight into them. And we're all just going, "Wow!" <laughs> luckily, it was a soft landing, and he got straight back up and uh, and was cranking again. <laughs> but it was pretty comical. And you, it's in those circumstances, it's kind of hard to laugh. You yeah, like, yeah, you want to run down and and see if it's okay, but at the same time, it's pretty funny, especially when they get straight up and and get going again. So that was two instances. But the other one was it was it was pretty chilly to start. Uh, it was a frost when it got up, and then in the afternoon it got pretty toasty. How new, how the sun in New Zealand is just so intense. Yeah. So temperature-wise, it wasn't probably that hot. It was cold here, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. But people were... Um, like, I had some ice on the, the aid stations, and normally I wouldn't bother with that, but we just had some, and they, apparently they were just, people were just grabbing it and shoving it down their pants. Or it's, you know, it's probably only... 18 degrees, 19 degrees yeah, but for the sun, yeah. it's just burning your skin, so that was about it, um, nice weekend, nice to have some good weather for a change, so Bevan, what's happening with you?
0: Well we had our, our coaches catch up over the weekend and um, we went to the X throwing place, have you heard of this?
1: <laughs> I've not heard of the axe throwing place. Yes,
0: yeah, so there's a place just down in Sydney, so, um, and what you do is you go in, and the axes are like only a, like a the size of of elbow to the hand. So mm-hmm. and they're not huge axes. They're not big axes. They're kind of half axes or quarter axes. Um, and they've got targets. So you think, yeah. like, you know, like a, like you would with bow and arrows. And you're throwing the axes to, to do the bloody, and you have games against each other and stuff. I've, it, got, to, was,
1: I've got to look this up because we were... Um, battle, I think
0: it's called Battle Axe. Battle Axe, Christchurch,
1: look at Battle Axe. might take, uh, yeah, battleaxe-throwing.nz. I'm look that up because uh, we were just discussing what to get our kids for uh, for Christmas. We've got my, uh, we had my sister over last night with her two kids, and they're both the same age as ours. So they're sort of, you know, fourteen to sixteen. Uh, do you reckon a fourteen to sixteen year old yeah, be able to muscle yeah. it? Muscle it? Yeah. Yeah. It was good fun. It was mm. like
0: because we basically what you you kind of spent. I think an hour, maybe a little bit over an hour there, maybe an hour and a half. Um, and you go in, they kind of teach you the basics. It's pretty basic stuff. Like it's mm. not it's not that hard to do. And then you kind of have a few practice runs and then they do some games. So mm. there's different games that you do. It's all kind of obviously trying to get points based on the, the board. Um, and my team, we were
1: crap. So <laughs> you're literally like, it's like doing darts but with an yep, axe? Yeah, basically. And
0: now the side we were on, so on one side of the building, there's kind of like five boards or six boards. And we were just throwing at that. Mm. And then the other side, they had like an interactive one based on a screen. Mm -hmm. So they had like a projection screen. And it would have like things. It was a bit more like you're throwing at ducks or you're throwing at and there were games and you'd click on the mouse to show where you hit and get points mm-hmm. based on that. And we didn't do that side, so that was a little bit different. Um, but we didn't need it because the, the f- games were actually quite fun. Yeah. And, yeah, my team, when we started, we were crap. Like, we were absolute crap. Axe
1: like, just wouldn't hold. Oh, would yeah. we'd hold,
0: but like, it's half hold. Yeah. And then, and, like, we were just getting destroyed. But then we came back at the end, John. Yeah. And we were in the last two games and we were actually pretty awesome by the end. It is a bit of a, it was, it was good fun. Yeah You know it's not this, you know, It's going to one of those Activities It's like Have you done one of those um, Escape rooms
1: Yeah uh, well, I, I actually haven't But I know Yeah but it was quite a few around
0: We did We did um, We did a escape room For our coaching team mm. And we did the second fastest Time of all time Nice And we would have got The fastest time of all time But we mucked around at the end Because we didn't realise We were doing so well Yeah Because we, it normally It normally takes you an hour Yeah And we took 36 minutes mm. Or maybe no Maybe 26 minutes We were really quick mm. And um, And We like the last one. We thought we we kind of knew it was mucking around, Mm. and then we finally put in the guys. Comes goes, you guys smashed, (laughs) (laughs) and we're like, oh really? And they they said the key to a quiz to the the um the escape rooms is you need an earhead. And, and an anal person. <laughs> well, you need a mix of those types of people. So yeah. I'm the earhead. What's yeah. the earhead who's going to do? They're going to walk around and go, what's this? You yeah. know what I mean? Whereas the anal person is going to really try to figure out the solving of the problems. Mm-hmm. And that's what our team was a real combination of <laughs> earhead and anal. So the earheads were going, you know, kind of figuring out just, what's this? Whereas the anal people were actually solving all the problems. And that's nice. what made us good. But yeah, no, I highly recommend it. It was a good, fun day out. Cool. So from here on in, I'm going to actually be as an assassin right yep.
1: yeah yep. and everyone came out alive if
0: you had to choose a weapon that's not a gun what would your weapon be
1: uh i do quite like the look of an axe now that we're just looking at this um always a piece of wire for strangling somebody it's always, oh always, a, uh, wow. it's always a good way to get knock somebody off isn't <laughs> just it just get behind them the yeah head nice and quick and efficient <laughs> well i'm gonna stay away from you then <laughs> yeah.
0: uh there we go so other than that john I get a knee operation next week. Oh yay! Mm, so my year finishes then. So I'm pretty excited about that. Cool. Can, get my knee up. Op- we have to run next year. Excellent. Can't wait to run again. Oh yeah. I don't miss running a huge amount because I can exercise in other ways. But it's one of those things that we're not going to have to run again. Get mm. out in nature. That's right. Ugh.
2: Smash it. How's your
1: running again? Ah, uh, it's going. Yeah, it just it's just ticking over at the moment. Yep, just maintenance place. Maintenance place. Okay, oh, yeah,
0: let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Indu.
1: Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.